Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Merry Christmas. Plus one day. Let's stand up for the reading of the Word. We're going to be reading out of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you. Verse 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for today. I pray, Lord, that all the words that are spoken through me, that will be all of you and none of me. I pray for everybody that speaks on this stage, including myself, by, not by our strength, but by your power and by your spirit. May the power of God fall on this service. May people's lives be changed, souls saved, and miracles come into fruition. We give you all the glory and honor. And the Church of Life said, Amen. You may be seated. So this morning, I want to share with you a few ideas or points on how we can overcome our enemy, the devil, in our everyday lives. Well, just missed the point there. To overcome, to overcome our enemy, we must know our enemy. And to know our enemy, we must know God first. Jesus, I'm, I'm getting tongued out of here. Until we know Jesus and follow him, it is impossible to say that we know who our enemy is. Jesus calls him the father of lies in John 8.44, and he continues on to say that there is no truth in him. He is destructive, and Jesus tells us in John 10.10, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. 1 Peter 5.8, the Apostle Paul tells us that to be sober-minded, alert, for your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion. So how do we become sober-minded? How do we become alert? The Apostle Peter sets this divine path through God's Word, through verses 6 through 8, and where we can achieve the state of alertness and be sober-minded. To give you a little bit of a context of what's happening when 1 Peter is written, the Apostle Peter is an elder statesman or elder leader, and he's writing to the Christians that are under heavy persecution under the Emperor Nero. During his reign, there is political unrest, social injustice, and diseases at that time. Sort of what we are facing here today. And today I want to share with you a few key points that we see that the Apostle Peter focuses on. So first point, humble yourselves. First Peter 5, 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. To humble yourself is not to be full of yourself, but to be full of God, which means to humble oneself is a choice, is a choice. One of the great things that we do here at Church Alive is we disciple people. Whether it be through our transform groups or one-on-one, we have seen tremendous growth throughout the years. 
And we have seen this growth accelerated when people come under authority, especially under God's word, but also the people that he puts over us. Whether it be in church or through work, we must come under authority. It also starts a chain reaction in another, well, I would say the most important part, muscle in our, in our bodies, the heart. We become, or we have, or we see people have a teachable heart. I will say that we only have authority over our lives when we come under God's authority, his word, the Holy Spirit, and the people he puts over us. For me, this journey has been great, and I've grown the most when I've humbled myself, and I haven't when I have not, right? I remember many years ago, um, I was, I mean, I was super arrogant, a little bit better now. Uh, not not a, very straightforward. Not a, you think I'm straightforward now? Forget about it. I was I was like black and white, like a samurai sword. So I was teaching church at Life College, and my EQ skills. I didn't even know what EQ meant. I thought it meant equalizer on the radio. I was like emotionally quoting, right? So I go into a meeting, and uh, they're like, I wasn't a pastor. I was like, Fernando, how you doing? I'm like, good. It's always good. You know, they start with the sandwich. They give you a lot of carbs. You know, I'm a protein guy. I don't need carbs, right? I love carbs. Just kidding. So they go, hey, your EQ skills are not good. I had no idea what they're talking about. So this person says, I'm not going to say the word, but says, you have none. <laughs> you have none. It was like a right cross to the face. Right away, I go, I called my wife on the way home. I was like, babe, you got to give me a book on EQ skills. I don't even know what it is. It's nothing to do with radio. It has to do with emotional skills. But here's the point. I did not know the people that I was affecting around me from not having those emotional skills. Because I didn't humble myself, the sphere of influence that I, that I was connected to or spoke into was being destroyed. And if they trusted me, how I was acting emotionally, spiritually, even physically, they would repeat. That's why it's super important to humble yourselves first. To humble oneself literally means this before God says, you are God, I am not. You know everything, I do not. You're all, you are everywhere, I am not. You are all powerful, I am not. I am nothing without you, and I am everything with you and for you. That's what it means to humble yourself. Point two, don't worry. I'm going to say, be happy. No. Uh, First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Worry is a form of pride because it involves taking concerns upon oneself instead of entrusting them to God. We can trust God because as our father, he cares for us. You know, when we worry, we lose focus and we become distracted, right? We lose focus. We don't focus on God. We focus on ourselves. And our vocabulary starts to change. All of a sudden, we becomes me and us becomes I. And it mostly happens first when we don't humble ourselves. And then when we get ourselves into trouble, we start to worry, right? I, me, how am I going to get through this? What's going to happen to me? How am I going to solve this? And that starts to build pride. Many years ago... I was in a personal storm. It was self-inflicted. And because I didn't humble myself, this, 
story, I'm not going to give you the details, but it kind of encapsulates both points. When I got in it, I started to, for at first I was like, <laughs> stupid me, I made myself get in, myself in a storm and then I think I can fix it. Talk about a double whammy, right? But I went in, I'm in the storm, then I have multiple fronts that I am battling. What I do wrong is I start to think how I can solve it. The pride starts building up. I had multiple people, thank you, if you're in the audience, for helping me, but I wasn't listening. Everything was falling apart. What I didn't see and now see back, even though God restored a lot of it, there was collateral damage. So that's the reason why I'm saying that it's super important to always humble yourself. Always humble yourself. What I did finally is I got on my knees, literally, and humbled myself under his mighty hand. And I said, God, forgive me for sinning against you and what I've done wrong. And not trusting you to fix things. Because... What he did was a miracle. You know, that first verse says, and he will exalt you. All of a sudden, favor came out of, I didn't do anything for it. He just did it. But once I cast all my burdens, all my cares, all my anxieties, there was a shift in, in the atmosphere. You know, Matthew 11, 28, 30, it's a very passage, famous passage of scripture. It says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In other words, when we cast our worries and anxieties and burdens, we will find peace and rest in Jesus. He will then give us the strength, wisdom, and courage to face them. Doesn't mean that he takes it from you. He just comes alongside you. That's what that verse means. So to wrap this all up, I'm going to go back to 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober-minded, watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Only after we humble ourselves and cast our anxieties, burdens, and worries upon God is when we can become sober-minded, which is not full of yourself. You can be drunk on yourself, right? Alert, watchful to see our adversary, the devil, and be on the offensive before he attacks us. And I will end with this. The Bible tells us that he is like a roaring lion. It doesn't say that he is a roaring lion. I want to encourage everybody today that there's a, our Lord has conquered the enemy and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he is the lion from the tribe of Judah. That the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But that he came that we may have life and have it abundantly. That no matter what you're facing today, that there's a Father in heaven who loves you and has a plan for you. And that is found in his person, presence, and power of Jesus Christ. Amen? Did you receive the word? All right. Now I'm going to welcome up Priscilla. So, so good. Let's give it up for Pastor Fernando. Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Priscilla Flowers, and I am so thankful to be here. And I just want to shout out our senior pastors, Pastor Anthony and Pastor Miriam, because they are just amazing. And I love you guys, and I love how you lead, and you love the ones that have been entrusted to you by God. Truly, I love you. Okay, uh, so a little bit about me. 
Uh, my name is Priscilla. I already said that. Um, I've been coming to Church Alive for about three years now, over three years. And um, I serve in the worship team and randomly whenever and wherever I can. I've been married to my amazing husband, Chris, for nine years and counting almost. Uh, We've got two little ones, my four-year-old daughter named Lucia and my two-year-old son named Hudson, and they are amazing, and I love them. Um, I'm originally from Miami, Florida. Where are my Latinos at? Hey! <laughs> I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican, and hey! Y si, hablo español. Although nobody seems to think so. Uh, everybody assumes my husband speaks Spanish. He doesn't speak any Spanish, you guys, and if you've ever spoken Spanish to him, he pretends like he knows what you're saying, and he has no idea. So there's that. Um, but he tries. He tries. Um, yeah. So how and why we're living in Jersey is beyond me. My husband is actually originally from Michigan. So that, it truly perplexes me, but here we are. Um, and so when I was asked to speak on what was my greatest lesson this year, the common denominator in everything came down to trust. And I feel like while things were happening in the natural, I knew that it was an invitation for me to grow in the spirit. And so there were things that I battled with that had to do with humility and honor, had to do with obedience, submission, um, and letting go, and knowing that he was my greatest defender. Um, so walking through all those lessons, when I found myself at the end of myself, I would say the greatest lesson um, that I learned was to trust him. And when I was at the end of myself, the only thing I could even think not even to say, was I trust you. Um, so if I had a title, it would be I trust you. Just that simple. Um, and I want to give you four um, pivotal things that help me maintain my trust in him. Um, and I would say number one is intimacy with him. Me talking to God about what it is that I was going through, seeking his word for what it is that he was telling me to do in a moment-by-moment -moment way really helped me maintain my peace. Um, and it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to hear half the time when I spoke to him about what I should be doing, but it was what I needed to do. And sometimes it was nothing. Um, and if there's one thing to know about me, my personal heart cry is that I burn for intimacy with God. It is the heart cry of my life. And there's no one else that I know in the Bible that has that same longing than David. He is like my homie in that. And um, <laughs> minus the adultery and murderous part. And um, <laughs> I love David. Um, and what I love about him is that he was utterly and totally submitted to God. Just how Fernando had mentioned, Pastor Fernando, he literally came to him in every single moment and breath of his life. You know, we think of David fighting Goliath, and that was amazing. But what I find so amazing about his character is when you can see his true honor and humility that he carried. When he was literally um, fighting for his life and running away from the guy um, who he had defended in his armies. Here's King Saul, who literally is coming for his life, and he is running from him. And he actually has the opportunity two times to kill him. And he has every right to kill him. This guy is coming after him, and still he chooses honor and humility. And one of the stories that I draw from um, during this time was in 1 Samuel 24. And this is when David finds himself hiding in a cave, and he has some of his men that have been fighting with him and kind of supporting him. And King Saul comes to the cave to use the bathroom. 
He just happens to be using the same cave. I don't know how many caves there were, but he comes in the same cave that David happens to be hiding out in. And I think David has a very human moment because he literally approaches him and cuts off a sliver of his robe. He is so close. He could just take him out. And his men are telling him, hey, the Lord has brought him into your hands. And still, he actually doesn't do it. And in fact, King Saul leaves the cave and David repents. And he comes, he lays prostrate before him. And he said that God would be his judge and that he would let the Lord avenge him. And what's so beautiful about that moment is that that type of honor and humility for the king literally begot honor and humility from Saul. In that moment, he says, you are anointed by God. You must be anointed by God. And he wept. And in that moment, he didn't take him out for whatever reason. But anyway, more on honor and humility another time because I love to talk about that. Anyway, number two is you are what you eat. I had to protect who I was talking to, what I was listening to, and what I was looking at in order to protect what God was telling me to do for the long run. Not for the short term, but for the long term. And so, listen, sometimes I had to stop talking to people who loved me. They had the best intentions in mind and in heart, and they wanted to just support me. But it was leading me down not the narrow and holy road. It was taking me down to the gangster's paradise where I wanted to just bleep, bleep, bleep somebody out. And so I knew that I needed to get that in check. And while I knew that they loved me, I was like, all right, I got to go. I'll talk to you some other time. Um, and also, sometimes you need to guard yourself from yourself. It's so easy to like sit in the poop, as Ed likes to call it, and just cycle the same story over and over and over. And while it feels so good to lament, it's just going to make you grow weary. It's going to make you want to take things into your own hands. And it is not the time to do that. You have to continue pressing into what God has said. Um, and a quote that I love that Pastor Bill Johnson said that really has stuck with me. He said, when I listen to the voice of a problem more than I listen to the word of the Lord, faith will always be an uphill battle. If I receive my counsel from the difficulties of my life, my heart will be shaped by inferior things. It is time to stop making excuses for what's shaping our hearts when we have control over what is going on. <laughs> And I would say number three is trust costs. There's something about doing what is right versus what we feel is right. And the word I want to highlight is doing. There is risk involved. It feels uncomfortable. It's sacrificial, especially if you're doing it for the first time. It doesn't feel good to subdue your flesh. But I have to tell you that it can, it can feel awkward but God will be there for you. He will be there for you. If you let go of your comfort zone, he is there for you. He is waiting for you. I think of my daughter. I take her to like a my gym class. It's like for kids. And um, they have this little balance beam and it kind of goes all the way up. And the instructor is telling her to hold out her arms. And I told her, I said, honey, look at me. Look at me at the end. Look at me. Because if you've ever seen anybody try to keep their balance, if you can focus on where it is that you're going versus just looking here, even if you're holding out your arms, the focus is what helps you keep balance. It's like a ballerina. If you've ever seen a ballerina dance, when she's doing pirouettes, it's called spotting. She's dancing, but she's keeping her spot. It won't make her dizzy. It won't make her lose her footing. She keeps her eye on where it is that she's going. And there's something about letting go and releasing what we think is keeping us safe. We think it's keeping us safe, but focus on Jesus. Let go of the narrative and negative thinking and move past what we're experiencing in the natural to experience what God has to give us in the supernatural. 
It's going through the fire and trials that the treasures of the revelation of who God is and friendship with him is forged. True treasure that doesn't erode with time. And this is my last and final key. And uh, for some of you, this may free you or freak you out, depending on who you are. Uh, so where are my type A people at? The planners, don't be ashamed. I'm there, I'm there. You know, the ones who like plan A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You want to be prepared. Um, my fourth point is understanding is not a prerequisite for trust. You don't have to know why things are happening, when they're going to end, how they're going to end, what you should be feeling, what you should not be feeling. You need to free yourself from the need to know. There were moments and still situations that I don't know why they happened or why they are happening. And I had to, ready? Let it go, let it go. Okay. I refuse to let my human rationalizations keep me from my relationship with him. Listen to God's clap back to Job. Now, Job went through many things, and um, he asked a lot of questions. And God responds to him in Job chapter 38. This is verse 4. And he says to him, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out a measuring line across it? On what were its footing set or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy, who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in, thickness, in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? God is getting him in check in one major mic drop way, and he goes on and on and on and on. And sometimes I need to hear that. Who am I that I think I can fathom for a second what God is doing? The Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Alpha and Omega, the one who was and is to come. Everything that you see in creation revolves around him, and it will forever on his very breath and words. Who am I? So I want to say, it's comforting and it gives me strength to know that he who put the sun and moon and stars in place is here with me. And I want to tell you that he is here with you. He is for you. He is beside you. He is your advocate. He is your greatest defender, the one who will never leave you. He is your provider and your comforter. And you can trust in him. He longs to be known by you and to reveal himself to you and through each and every single one of you. So I bless you, church, that God would give you grace upon grace upon grace to trust him more. Oh. And one more thing. Uh, now I want to introduce this boss babe over here, Verlani Tabawada, who is single and not ready to mingle with just anybody. So you better come right. This girl is pure fire and I love her. Here, I'm gonna leave her with you. Yes. How amazing was that? Can we give it up for Pastor Fernando, Priscilla? My goodness. I love that. And I love that you guys get blessed with somebody else from Miami, right? So great. 
Yes. Hey, but I want to encourage us. This is the last Sunday of 2021. And I just want, I know we've been through some things this year, but I just want to encourage us this morning that there is still breath in your lungs. That means God has a purpose for you today, this week. And I know there are some things we had to overcome together, but it has been so worth it for this very moment. And so if I can say anything else, I want to let you know that we made it, that we have overcome. And it's not by our strength, it's not by our might, but it is by the Holy Spirit that we have overcome. And so we reminded that there are still a couple more days left of this year, and God can still do what he wants to do with the rest of this year. So do not give up. If you are here, there is a reason and a purpose. And I just really felt like that needed to be said on this very last Sunday of this year. Amen. Amen. Hey, so a little bit about what I want to talk about in terms of lessons for this year and overcoming. I really felt like I had to overcome entitlement. And that was a little rough because I think I'm pretty humble. Um, <laughs> and uh, apparently I am not. Um, so I want to talk about that for, for us today. And so the question I have for us is uh, how? How do we extend grace when people show us their humanity? How do you, you know, someone that you admire, someone that you love, someone that you trust, how do you extend grace when they show you their humanity? See, when you find out that Spider-Man is just Peter Parker, <laughs> for some of us who watch the movie, you know what I'm talking about. Or maybe when you find out that Superman can actually die from kryptonite. Or maybe you find out that, like I did this year, President Biden isn't forgiving my student loans. <laughs> so tragic, so tragic. <laughs> but maybe something a little bit more realistic, right? Maybe we found out that this moment this year where a parent or a friend, they just came out of character. They just came, or as my good friend Tess would say, they just came out of pocket, um, right? There is just something about their character that was unbecoming. You know, what do we do when there's a, there's a transition in some of the relationships that we have with people? We all have heroes. We all have people that in our lives that we honor, but sometimes we forget that we're all human. And if nothing else, these last two years, our humanity has been so great in the way that we respond. And so how we actually, as Christians, as people of faith, and if you're not there yet, there'll be an invitation at the end of this. You know, how can we respond as we navigate to people's humanity is actually quite important. And so how again, how again do we how do we show people? How do we extend grace when they show us their humanity? And the answer I have found this year is that we extend grace. It's simply when we respond in love. 
And so I, I want to pick up a person in the Bible who I felt emulated this. And this person's Jonathan. Love Jonathan. He's incredible. Um, and he's actually one of these really great characters that we often don't talk about because we love, and I love that Priscilla talked about King Saul and talked about David, but Jonathan's the guy in the middle. And I find that a lot of us this year are that, have been that person. We're in the middle of something. We're in the middle of a, 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 a transition in a relationship. We're in the middle of something, and Jonathan helps us, at least that helped me this year, navigate these transitions. Because what we find in 1 Samuel chapter 19 is that Jonathan was the son of King Saul, but he was also David's best friend, and he had to extend grace to both of them. And so the way that he does that, oh, it's so beautiful, and I think we can learn something from him today. And so if we're talking through points, I have three of them, and I'm gonna get through them as quickly as possible so we can get on home. But hey, number one, Jonathan stuck to the truth. He stuck to the truth. You know, Pastor Anthony reminded us earlier this year that when we go through turbulence, we must hold on to the truth. It is the belt that sits on our waist that holds us up, as it says in Ephesians 6.14, that we should stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. It is the truth that holds us up. Up. We do not unbuckle our seatbelts in the middle of a plane when it's turbulent. No, we hold that thing tight. And that is exactly what we should do as people of faith. You know, when people show us our humanity, it, it is so easy to run through our emotions, to allow that to get the best of us. And yet Jonathan, having great love for David and his father, he doesn't allow his judgment to be clouded. In fact, he reminds King Saul about the truth of David, that David was a warrior. And here we are in 1 Samuel 19, verse 4 and 5, and it says, thus Jonathan spoke well of David. He spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and he said to him, let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his works have been very good toward you. For he took his life into his hand, killed the Philistine, and the Lord brought great deliverance for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. And when, why then will you sin against innocent blood to kill David without a cause? See, the truth of the story was that King Saul was tormented by David, the thought that his kingdom was coming to an end. And the way that Jonathan spoke the truth in love, it reminded King Saul that David still had a purpose to defend King, the, the Israel. He slayed Goliath. That was what Jonathan was telling him. Hey, yo, he still did this and he will continue to serve you. Who are you to decide his fate? No, it's not your, it's not for you to do. And King Saul actually heeds that instruction. And so when I tell you and people show you their humanity, hold on to the truth. Hold on to what God says about them. Hold on to what is real because we tend to personalize the things that happen to us and, and actually forget that maybe something is happening in them. Maybe they're being tormented. King Saul was being tormented and Jonathan was able to see that. And it was the truth in that moment that allowed Saul to spare David's life. 
Number two, we get on God's side. Jonathan always, it was Jonathan's birthright, right? He's the son of a king. It was his birthright. And yet he saw the bigger picture. He saw the bigger picture. He knew that David was going to be king and he got on the right side. Sometimes when people show us their humanity, it is so important for us to get on God's side. See, Jonathan's words allowed for King Saul to hear what he was saying. And then King Saul made the promise that he would never kill David, although he still tried, but he himself took an oath that he would never. And it was Jonathan in the middle of it that was able to convince him to do him so. See, Jonathan was able to reconcile for a moment King Saul and David. He brought them back. And this is in verse seven. It says, then Jonathan called David and Jonathan told him all these things. And so Jonathan brought David to Saul and he was in his presence as times passed. See, Jonathan was able to bring David back. And I love that in 2 Corinthians, it reminds us just how important reconciliation is to God that we must be people who are his ambassadors. And we do that through the ministry of reconciliation. We know that forgiveness is a gift we receive, but grace is a gift that we extend to others. And we do that through, we extend to others the ministry of reconciliation. And so we extend grace when responding in love, when we get on God's side. And as I close and as we wrap things up today, the last thing that Jonathan did that again, as Pastor Fernando had echoed with us in terms of where we are in society, see Jonathan didn't cancel. He didn't cancel Saul. He didn't cancel David. He served them. He served them. So we, again, we extend grace and responding in love when we don't cancel people, we serve them. When people show us their humanity, it is an opportunity to serve them, to humble ourselves under God, because that's who we're really serving when we serve people, when they show us their humanity. See, Jonathan tells Saul that he was, again, I love that he puts himself in the middle and he says, hey, so Jonathan told David, my father Saul seeks to kill you. Therefore, please be on your guard until morning. Stay in a secret place and hide. And then lastly, he goes, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak with my father about you. And what I observe, I will tell you. And I love that Jonathan, even then, even before he had to go on behalf of David to articulate and defend him in front of King Saul, Jonathan gave of himself to David. And this is in verse four, first Samuel 18. He says, Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David, his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. David, Jonathan gave everything to David that distinguished him as a son of a king. He gave it all to David. He gave him his robe. He gave him the sword. There were only two swords in the nation of Israel at the time. King Saul had one and so did Jonathan. And Jonathan gave it to David because he knew that it was, he was the chosen one. And Jesus then tells us, 
later on that we, if we love our neighbor, we must love them as we love ourselves. And Jonathan did that first. And so if I can tell us anything, we extend grace by responding in love when we choose to serve. See, Jesus, all of a sudden, he tells us at the very end that he washes the disciples' feet when he was about to die. That's the last thing he did, one of the very last things he did. And he even washed the feet of Judas, knowing full well that Judas in the next breath would betray him. This is the God that we serve. This is the person we choose to follow. Someone that would humble themselves, wash the feet of somebody who would then serve him up to die so that it would complete a plan for humanity. Though he never... of our faith and so if any of these messages spoken today resonated with you it would be the honor of my life to lead you in a prayer that will follow this person this person named Jesus who again he never canceled us he served us with every breath and still serves us still because he loves us so much and so with every head bowed and every eye closed as a church family let's pray together but for those who specifically want to place their faith in Jesus repeat after me dear Jesus thank you for loving me thank you for giving your life for me I ask for your forgiveness. Help me to be more like you. I receive you today. Amen and amen. And if you're, so with eyes still closed and heads still wild, if you said that prayer for the first time or wanna make that decision, would you raise your hand for me? Yes, I see those hands. Yes, see those hands over there in the middle. I see that hand in the front. I see that hand back there. Yes, any other hands? I see that hand in the back there. I see you, sir. I see you, sir. Yes, I see you over there. See that hand right there. See that hand right there. Amen, amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, God, that you didn't cancel us, but you canceled our sin, our shame, and we never have to live without you. And we pray in the mighty name of Jesus that this 
year as we wrap things up, God, that you would be with us, you would be for us, and that you would walk alongside us for all our days to come. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you.